Right, well, as the kids head back, why don't you grab out your Bibles? And we're going to turn together to the book of Isaiah. We're going to read some scripture together for chapter 9, just in case you're a little worried that the kids always seem to get all the fun on Christmas Day. I can let you know that we have had a few hundred fruit mince pies donated from a local bakery for us this morning. I thought you'd be a little more excited. Obviously, nobody likes fruit mince pies. So if you would like, after the service, we would invite you to hang around, enjoy a fruit mince tart and some fellowship over a cup of tea or coffee. But for now, we're going to share some scriptures. We're going to focus our hearts on what Christmas is all about. Thank you, kids. Thank you, Jesus. Wonderful. And before we do anything else, let's pray, shall we? So, Father, we thank you for joy. We thank you for your coming that has broken through the darkness with the brilliance of the noonday sun. And as we remember this day that, Jesus, you came, that you were born and that you came not just to make a way but to become the way for us, our Saviour, our Messiah, our Redeemer, I pray that in, in some way you would open our eyes, the eyes of our hearts to see you, to know you, to love you more this Christmas day. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, Isaiah 9 is where we're heading. And you might have guessed that I have on my heart to encourage us this morning in this area of darkness and light. And there's few passages in Scripture that describe it this wonderfully and this powerfully. Isaiah, of course, is prophesying many hundreds of years prior to the birth of Christ. And he writes these words in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. He says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You've multiplied the nation, you've increased its joy, they rejoice before you as with the joy at the harvest. And they are glad when they divide the spoil, for the yoke of his burden, the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. Every boot of the trampling warrior in battle garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Verse 6, for unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. I love that certainty. And then my favorite verse in the whole passage, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The zeal of the Lord of hosts, the King of glory. It's a description of power, of might, of majesty, and of intention. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now, like many of you, I've been struggling through a, uh, a summer of much smoke. 
unlike anything that we've seen before. And it's been amazing just to see the way that these smoke clouds have rolled in. And of course, we have been very pray prayerful. We've prayed for the fires and for rain, which is ultimately what we need. But uh, it's come over in our particular area, and we live uh, just a little bit out of town, to such a degree that on two different occasions now, people have reported seeing fires. And enough people that the RFS has registered on the website. At one point, I got a number of phone calls saying, are you okay? I see on the map there's a fire in Royala. And sure enough, the uh, fire brigade will go there and uh, inspect and find out that there was no fire to be found. At one point, they put something on the community Facebook page saying, please don't report any more fires. There's no more fires. They're stretched enough as it is. But it's, it's come across to that degree. And there was one particular evening that I was out in the front paddock feeding the goats in the goat barn that we have. And all of a sudden, first of all, you could smell it. You just get that smell and almost that tingling in the eyes. You can feel it before you see it. And then this thick cloud of smoke descended upon the whole area. And it was quite disconcerting. I walked out of the barn and all of a sudden I was a little bit disorientated. I'm sure you know exactly what I'm describing, where you can't see more than a few feet in front of you. And I mean, I, I know our property pretty well, but I felt disorientated for just a moment until I looked up the hill where our house is, and there was the front porch light shining into the midst of the darkness. And you know, that spoke to my heart because I think that's a little like Christmas and this reality. There's many wonderful truths about Christmas, and in many messages, I'm sure, no doubt, we will hear these pictures of goodwill and love for fellow man and you know the, the cause of the downtrodden and the less fortunate. They're wonderful things for us to dwell upon and ponder, to remember. But there's one picture that if we don't understand this, if we don't allow the reality of what this means resonate in our hearts, then everything else counts for very little. And it's this picture of a light that shines in the midst of a darkness, a light that shows us the way home. That is the message of Christmas as Isaiah proclaims it many hundreds of years prior to the coming of Christ. There is darkness, but there is a light that is coming. And this side, of course, of the cross, we know that there is a light that is here. As John puts it so well, that the darkness will not, cannot, could never overcome. In the midst of the darkness, there is a light. And it doesn't matter what darkness there is around us, there will be around us as the seasons unfold. It doesn't matter what darkness perhaps descends upon us. And at times it's, it's more tangible than others, isn't it? A thick cloud of, of darkness can descend upon us at different times due to circumstances. But my encouragement for us this Christmas is that there is a light that shines for all those who will have eyes to see it. There is a light. There forever will be a light that is shining in the midst of the darkness. Now, we had a, um, an interesting week this week, as I'm sure many of you do. It's a week where all different things are happening, but... We have a, uh, quite a few different animals on our property and our eldest dog. We have a few dogs who, in fact, was my first dog. He's a very much beloved family pet, but he fell ill. He had this, without 
trying to give you too many of the graphic details, this gross abscess that began to develop on the side of his neck. And of course, at that time of year, trying to find a, a vet appointment is a bit like trying to find a car park at the local shopping centre. It's a nigh impossibility. So it took us some days. We finally got him in yesterday to see the vet. And the vet took one look and went, wow, I'm not sure if there's anything we can do at all. So they uh, did what they could to deal with the situation, drain some of the infection, gave him some medicine and sent him home saying, look, come back in a week and we'll just see how he's going, but be prepared for the worst. Um, so, of course, that brought some grief to the Baker household in the scheme of eternity. You know, a, a dog is not that significant, but in our lives, little things like this can cause somewhat of a cloud of darkness to descend upon the family. One of my girls says, as we were spending some family time yesterday, as we often do, just reading the Christmas story and praying and and sharing together in the lead up to Christmas, one of my girls said, you know, Dad, it just, it doesn't feel right. Like, Christmas is not meant to be sad. This just, this just doesn't feel right. And I knew exactly what she was saying, because Christmas is, it's a celebration of hope, isn't it? It's a celebration of, of joy. There's this anticipation. There's this reality of a God who has come. And yet, sometimes we can be prone to forget the context. See, Christmas is about joy and hope and life, but it's about light that breaks through in the midst of darkness. It's about joy breaking through in the midst of despair. It's about the dawning of hope in the midst of hopelessness. It's about life breaking through in the midst of death. And Isaiah gives us this picture, and if you've still got your Bibles open, I hope you still do, just come back to the end of chapter 8, because he talks about darkness. And he doesn't leave us wondering what this darkness is. He describes it in detail, talking about a people towards the end of chapter 8 who are, are seeking wisdom. They're, they're trying to find the answers, inquiring in verse 19, he says, of, of mediums and necromancers, I love this description, who chirp and mutter. They do nothing but chirping and, and muttering. It's just, just noise. But all their futility, it says, verse 21, they'll pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And verse 22, listen to this description. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, they will be thrust into thick darkness. See, what, what is it he's saying there? He's describing a group of people. He says they're, they're desperately searching to answers, but they're just looking to, towards themselves, to human resources, to the earth. They're consulting everybody they know to consult. Mystics, scholars, politicians, the environment, everything other than the one place that brings light and life, the one true God, and the end result of all their efforts is simply this. They look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. It's not a pretty picture, is it? But I think it's one, just for a moment, that's worthy of us pondering. I came across a particular quote. There was a, a philosopher, and this reveals some of my strange readings 
from time to time. Bertrand Russell was his name. He was a, an atheistic philosopher who actually shared some wonderful insights into life. But I will quote from one of his particular works that I came across just this past week. Mysticism, Logic and Other Essays. This was his conclusion about the meaning and purpose of life. He writes, Man is the product of causes which had no provision of the end that they were achieving. His origin, his growth, his hopes, his fears, his loves and his beliefs about the outcome of accidental collocations of atoms. That no fire, no heroism, no intensity of thought and feeling can preserve an individual life beyond the grave. That all the labours of the ages, all the devotion, all the inspiration, all the noonday brightness of human genius are destined to extinction in the vast depth of the solar system and the whole temple of man's achievement must inevitably be buried beneath the debris of a universe in ruins. Do you get the picture that maybe he's under? A cloud of darkness. And this is his conclusion. This is what grabbed me. He says this. This is how he brings this thought to bed. Only within the scaffolding of these truths, only on the firm foundation of unyielding despair, can the soul's habitation henceforth be safely built. Only upon the foundation of unyielding despair. You know, he got one thing dead right. Dead right. That without the light, there is nothing but darkness. All we have is a foundation of unyielding despair. The great tragedy is that him, as great a mind as he was, and so many other people, for them, the darkness is the end of the story. That's it. All we have is a foundation of unyielding despair upon which to base our lives. Now it's that very picture, it's that description as Isaiah proclaims of a people that live in deep darkness that shows us the reality of why this is good news. Because this is the end of the story. Upon those who dwell in deep darkness, Darkness, the deepest darkness, the light has shone. The light has come. Now notice it doesn't say the light has been found within them. They've looked within and found the light. It doesn't say that the light has been found in the pooled sum of their collective wisdom. They've discovered the life. Philosophical thought and any other means will agree that there is no light to be found ultimately in any of those places. There is only one source of true light, and it is the one who came and proclaimed that he alone is the light of the world. And how did he come? Now this is where the story gets even more wonderful, as Isaiah proclaimed, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Not just an impersonal, unknowable force, the one who is light and life itself. He has come as a person. Mighty God, everlasting Father. It's the title that Isaiah gives him, and yet a baby born in a major. The one who boldly declared that he is the light of the world. 
the Messiah, the Deliverer, the one who came to rescue and redeem, the Counselor, the one who's walked where we've walked. He's been where we have been, the Everlasting Father, the God who said, I've come to bind up the brokenhearted, to love you with an everlasting love. As Adam said last Sunday, we don't come to remember the reason for the season. If we just grasp for a moment the reality, we fall on our knees in worship. We stand gobsmacked. Is this really true? If nothing else, it's worth considering the weight of it. Because if it is, it changes everything. No longer are we in darkness. No longer are we confined to the voices of those around us. But there is a light that has come. You see, Christmas proclaims with an unyielding certainty that there is another way. Don't embrace the darkness. Don't build your life there. Follow the light. The great and glorious light has come. A light that threatens, that destroys every self-laid foundation of unyielding despair, breaking through with the brightness of a new dawn to bring hope, joy, and peace. He alone is the light of the world. And Christmas reminds us that the light has come. Whatever the darkness, there is a light shining, a light that will leave us home. Can we get the worship team back out? Just close your eyes for a moment. I want to finish with words from the Apostle John. He writes extensively about this picture of light. Let me read these words over you as we bring this service to a conclusion. John chapter 1 verse 4. It says, In him, that's Jesus, was life. That life was the light of men, the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own received him not. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. I want to give you a moment this morning before we rush off for fruit mince pies and all the Christmas celebrations. A moment just between you and the Lord. And I want to pray for us that in some way this morning, each one of us would be reminded of that picture and that reality of the light shining in the midst of the darkness. Maybe for some of us, it's just that recalibrating moment. So easy to get disorientated as the, the clouds of darkness roll in from time to time. But as we look and we see that light shining through, we are assured that there's a light that will lead us home. Maybe for some of us, it's more significant that. And as you sit before us before the Lord this morning, you realize that there's a sense in which you have built your life, not upon light, but upon the unyielding despair of the darkness. Now the gospel boldly proclaims 
that to all of those who would receive the light, who would believe in the name of the one who is the light of the world, that he would come and heal your blindness, that he would come and heal your wounds, that he would come and save you from your sins, that he would come and he will carry you home. As Jude said, he's the first one there, welcoming us home with exceeding joy in the presence of our Father, celebrating. Here's another one. Don't sell yourself short. Don't build your life on the darkness. Receive the light. As for me, that's where I'm going. And I'm determined to bring as many with me as will come. Walking into that glorious light. Without that light, we will never find our way. But when He is our light, we will never lose our way. So, Father, I pray for us this morning, each one of us here, young and old, and I ask that there would be a reality of that picture, that message of Christmas, of light shining in the midst of the darkness, and that wherever we are at this day, that your light would come shining through. Light in darkness, joy in despair, hope in hopelessness, life in the midst of death. You are the King of glory and may your light ever burn brightly in our hearts, in our midst and in this world until the day that you call us home and we stand before you in glory. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand and just respond in worship. So let's do that now.